0: and use code GET100, that's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: Welcome to the eighth episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast. The Meet the Mancunian podcast takes you on a weekly journey around the local community in Manchester. Season 2 has an interesting lineup of inspiring guests making a social or community impact in the city. Presented by Deepa Thomas Sutcliffe, newbie Mancunian. Tune in every Tuesday for your weekly dose of inspiration. Concerned about the homeless? In this episode, we hear from Risha Lancaster, co-founder of Coffee for Craig. I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Risha Lancaster, co-founder of Coffee for Craig thank you risha for joining me today oh it's a pleasure thank you thank you for having me looking forward to our conversation how did you find your passion for working with the homeless please um i think well
2: it was it, it all kind of started um mm-hmm. gosh back in 2013 um i found out that my brother craig was um street homeless He'd um, previously had a mental health breakdown and he ended up sort of in hospital um, about four years before I found out that he was actually um, street homeless. And throughout that four years, I used to sort of go back because I live up in Manchester. He lived in Cardiff. That's where I'm from originally. Um, And I'd go back and forth and, and sort of see him. And he was always saying that he was fine, that everything was okay, that, you know, Everything was good. And then my stepdad died and went to his funeral and um, Craig came to the funeral. And that's when I found out that he was actually street homeless. And at the time I didn't, myself and Hendrix, we didn't know anything about homelessness or how to help or sort of anything Anything like that. My, my line of work was people with learning difficulties, so we were sort of in the in the care industry. So we 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 had some idea, but the only way that we could think to help him was to actually ask people who were street homeless themselves. So we started to volunteer for a charity called LifeShare, who do amongst other things, um, the thing that they do is a breakfast every Saturday and Sunday morning. So I started going to there to with the with the with the thought to find out all I could about people who were street homeless and to chat to the to the guys who who were actually homeless and to find out what the best way to help Craig would be. Um, so I kind of started chatting, started finding out about homelessness, finding out about Manchester, how it sort of worked and stuff like that. And then throughout that, I was asking for advice. And then I'd go down and see Craig in Cardiff, um, take stuff to him like boxes and socks and all of the, the things that you, you take for granted that are very precious when when you're actually sort of sleeping on the streets and you've got the whole world on your back. Um, so I started doing that, and then so um so I went down in the August and we we had a day together. I took him for a meal and, you know, we were putting the world to rights. right. My sister was there. And then in the September, I got a phone call from my sister to say that he died of a heroin overdose in a car park in Cardiff Central. And that kind of when when my world fell apart, really, it was um, I, I didn't really know what to do. And um, so I I put up um, a post on Facebook saying if if anyone sees someone sort of sleeping on the streets, give them a cup of coffee. Say it's from Craig, as a sort of thing to start an urban myth. Try and keep his name alive. Sort of, you know, make him make him there really. And it kind of went from there. And that's how Coffee for Craig was born. <laughs>
1: A, I'm so sorry to hear that, but such a lovely way to tribute to your brother, right? Because you're you're kind of helping many people. But just taking a few steps back, just because all our listeners may not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you use the term street homeless. Are there other kinds of homelessness and maybe just a little bit of education would be helpful?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so homelessness is a massive sort of issue in around the world probably so you've got many types of people who are homeless but people who are street homeless are people who haven't got any kind of accommodation at all they they just sleep on the streets and unfortunately in Manchester we've got a huge sort of crisis really of people who have got no form of shelter nowhere to go and Uh, forced to sleep on the streets and this is sort of prevalent throughout Britain and obviously we know it in other places as well but um, in Manchester obviously this is where I live but it is it is a very huge problem I mean it's you're really hard pressed not to go into Manchester and see people who are begging people who are sort of asleep on the pavement in a in a sleeping bag, so yeah, it's a it's a huge problem in Manchester, and unfortunately, I think it's only going to get worse worse with the current climate, with us having COVID for two years, and the price of living shooting up, and now, of course, the crisis with U- Ukraine and the and the ultimate war. We we're seeing. You know we will have consequences to that and we'll see our our price of living sort of skyrocketing really. So I think there's a lot more to come, unfortunately. But in answer to question, there's a lot of other types of homelessness. So a lot of people might might sort of become homeless, lose their ha- their house or where they're living, split up with a partner. Um their parents might kick them out of the house because that happens quite a lot and they might go to the council and get found to have a priority of need. So there's certain criteria where the council will help you and they might put you in a bnB or temporary accommodation or in a hostel. And those people are still homeless because they haven't got a home of their own. They haven't got a flat of their own. They haven't got a permanent address. It's just a temporary accommodation. And then, of course, you've got a lot of people who who sofa surf, so who might um, not have a house of their own, might have been sort of a partnership breakup, all all the sort of other things, and then sleep on someone's sofa, a friend's sofa, a family member's sofa. And, of course, again, it's not their house, so they're sort of on someone's just kipping in, in someone's house yeah and we also work with a lot of people who sleep in their cars unfortunately because they haven't got a house but they've got a car and then we've got quite a few people that we work with who sleep in their cars and they're working full-time and just finding somewhere to park and sleep in their cars
1: amazing okay uh, that's quite quite varied uh, I guess their concerns would be very different as well okay thank you for sharing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just told us how you started Coffee for Craig. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Coffee for Craig now offers uh, and what you hope to offer?
2: So um, we started because because we sort of, there was myself and Hendrix, there's only really two of us and we didn't know, what to do at the time in 2013 it was it was a huge problem and there were a lot of people who were actually starving and didn't have anywhere to eat because homelessness sort of provisions and services and charities traditionally work Monday to Friday sort of nine till four so in the evening there's nowhere for anyone to go in the weekends apart from life share which was first thing in the morning there's nowhere for anyone to go or to access food or anything like that so after talking to the to the sort of guests at Lifeshare and chatting to the guys who were on the street we um, decided to start a street kitchen on Piccadilly so we were the first street kitchen to, to be on Piccadilly every single Sunday to provide food for people who were street homeless and couldn't have, didn't have any access to food. And then we, we sort of expanded that to a Sunday, Monday and a Tuesday. And then, um, we, we started sort of talking to other charities other grassroots organizations and, um, co- formed, um, coalition of relief which was a load of us got together and we decided that we wanted to sort of start working with the council start working with the police and from there it kind of progressed we um the homelessness partnership was formed all the charities started working together with the council and um, we started to sort of chat to the council and say that we needed something in the evenings to offer to people and somewhere where we could start sort of collating information about people who were on the streets, start working with the council, start working with all the all the charities. And um, from there we started to work with Centre Point, who's another charity I work with under 25s in Manchester City Centre and they had a building so they offered us um, use of the building seven nights a week and we went in there and we started to offer an evening provision for people in partnership with Centrepoint and then in 2020 just before the lockdown we uh, were able to get our own building and we opened up on our own sort of full time so now we have our own building called the meanwhile and we offer seven nights a week evening drop in for people who are sleeping on the streets people who are in crisis to sort of come in have a bit of dignity sit down have an evening meal with plate and a knife and fork watch a bit of telly and sort of start to build trust in with us, and then for us to start to give advice, signpost, move people on, and start them on their sort of steps to recovery, really. So that's what we do now, <laughs> amongst other things.
1: <laughs> that is amazing, and it's great to see how that how that progressed from you know your your working with other charities, but also then starting to kind of branch off on your own to. You know, to, yeah. take this, uh, to create a small community <laughs> and support,
2: I guess, for the homeless. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we work with all the charities within Manchester. We've got a great partnership and they're working together ethos So what'll happen is usually we'll work with Barnabas, Mustard Tree, Booth Centre, Life Share, Centre Point, reach out to the communities, loads of us. And we all sort of do different parts. So the charities that work during the day, if they're working with someone and ongoing work needs to be done, they'll they'll let us know and then the person will come to us and we'll carry on with the work and vice versa. And we're all also work together um, during the cold weather. So during the winter, we we, we have a cold weather sort of offer through, with Manchester council. And this year we've um, all worked in partnership to, to try and ensure that people don't have to stay on the street um, throughout the winter it, and sort of helping them to, to, um there's a couple of hotels that are set up just for the winter and we're sort of working with people within the hotels and then Barnabas and on the out and everything sort of carry out work during the day so there's a lot of work sort of going around in going on in the background that we we take part in with the other charities
1: that's amazing so then tell us a little bit more about the people who come to the drop-in centre that you're helping and supporting. You said there's some of them who are you're helping them go back, go into recovery, and you know get out of homelessness. So maybe just give us a little bit of an idea about who you're working with.
2: And do you know what? There are all sorts of different people. There's all sorts of people who have uh, in different walks of life who, who have fallen on hard times and maybe sort of become homeless Um, there's no real real sort of one type of person I mean there's obviously that you know there are some people who who have addictions people who who really struggle with mental health um, there are people who are new to the streets who it's never happened to before and are really scared they we have couples we have like I said I, I have mentioned we have people who are working and living in their cars we have people with learning difficulties who we're trying to help sort of get into the system properly and connect with the right services that all sorts of people. We have. Um, it's mostly men who come to us because traditionally it's mostly men who end up sleeping on the streets. Because um, women, traditionally, if if you're in a partnership or, or a marriage or something, and you end up splitting up, traditionally the woman will will stay in the in the marital home or the or the house, especially if there's children involved. So um sort of all all walks of life and all sorts of people it's it's very hard to sort of pinpoint there's a lot of people young people who unfortunately on the streets who have come through the care system and you know don't have the necessarily life skills to carry on because they they might not have been taught it there's there's so many issues around homelessness the majority and I think you can pretty much guarantee that most people who end up on the street have had a lot of trauma in their life so you know trauma can can really affect you in different ways and sometimes can you can end up not being able to function in society, in the way that all of us can, or you know, the majority of us can, it's just really, really difficult to pinpoint a specific reason.
1: Okay, and, and do I th- and you, do all of them are all of them keen to move on and move, you know, get back to living in in accommodation of their own, and I guess get out of homelessness, or might some of them have chosen it because of circumstances
2: Uh, I I I don't think anyone chooses it and I think it's it's a misconception that people seem to think that people choose to be on the streets because I don't think anybody chooses that I think some people aren't able to access accommodation because they've been on the streets that long that it's really hard to sort of go into into accommodation and have the have to follow the rules of the accommodation or the rules that that constrict them. I think a lot of people have very chronic mental health issues, trauma, like I've said, addictions, and this sort of complicates complicates people being able to access accommodation. But I think the people that are perceived to be making the choice, actually not making a choice to stay on the streets, but making a choice to have some sort of control in their life and not make the choice to go into a b and or a hostel that is not a nice place to be. Some of the places that are there for people who are homeless or street homeless are not nice places, so some people might decide not to go in there because of the trauma that they they might face while in there. Yeah. I think that's where we... Um, if you, it, to be honest, if your only choice is to go in a place that is not very nice, is not nice surroundings, has people in there who who also have a lot of trauma and a lot of issues and it's a scary place you're not going to go in there and there isn't any choice of anywhere for people to go so it's a choice of being on the streets or being somewhere that you don't feel safe or you can't you're not treated in a way that you'd want to be treated or it might be because the surroundings are really awful you know what you're gonna choose? There's not really a choice, to be yeah, honest.
1: Right. I can totally so understand. until
2: yeah, until there's a choice, a real choice and a dignified choice, then people are gonna choose. I say in inverted commas to to sleep on the streets because they feel safer. So yeah, and until there is a, a home or somewhere where people can shut the door and have a little bit dignity and have their own their own place and their own front door and their own key everybody has that choice then I don't think anybody chooses to be on the streets.
1: Thank you for clarifying that and um, (laughs) you've talked a little bit about some of the challenges you've had to overcome but are there some challenges you can share that you've you know you've got some lessons or some learnings that other people might be able to learn from. I think one nice thing is the fact that you all are working with a council and as a you know as a group of homelessness charities to to make the best. That that sounded very powerful for me. So, you know, so if somebody's doing daytime and you're doing nighttime, then you could kind of give a holistic. It's a we all. Yeah, I think that's a really difficult question. We all try and we
2: all do that. And now I think our aim has always been to fit the gaps and to do the things that are needed around around the, the other services and what is best for the guests. So we've never we've never wanted to duplicate a service and that's always, always been our aim. So we do our best to fit in around around sort of what's there and we always we are always mindful to sort of move our service for for the best of our guests and what the what the need is at the time and what is needed so we try not to be sort of stuck in that oh this is what we do and this is how we do it so we've been very mindful to ensure that we are guest led we are people led for the people that we you know we are there for to be honest so that's always sort of in our mind and that and our our biggest thing is to always try to to afford dignity to everyone and respect to everyone so I think the biggest thing for us if I'm answering the question right you know correctly is that everybody who's on the streets is a person and everybody who's on the streets is Craig. You know, your brother, my brother, my father, my uncle, my mother, my sister, my best friend, my husband, my wife. You, do you know what I mean? We're all, at the end of the day, we're all people and we're all equal. And just because one person might have, might be on a, on a hard journey it doesn't mean that we have to judge. You can't You can't judge unless you're walking in their shoes. You don't know what they've been through and what they're feeling. So I think we're always there to offer a hand up or a helping hand rather than a hand up because I don't know whether that sounds, sounds sort of um, patronising. I don't know. But we're always trying walk with the person.
1: I, I like the way that you know you talk about them as guests, and there's a lot of respect in what you're saying. So I don't think it's coming across in any other way. Oh, what <laughs> would you say that you've made so far? Um I hope, I hope we've
2: I hope we've made an impact and I hope we've made a difference to people's lives. People certainly come and say that we have. Um, I think people have said that we've saved a lot of lives. And I think one of the, one of the biggest things for me is that when people come to our, our drop-in, they say that we've been told that it feels like home and it feels, and sometimes people come in and they feel normal for two, two hours, feel like they fit in. And I think that's, for us, that's the biggest thing. And I think the biggest thing is to is to be with that person and, and speak to that person. And laughter, laughter for us is a big thing. So we're always, like, joking and bantering and we try and get sort of games out and we're look, always looking for things that, that the guys might enjoy doing. So we're looking at um, trying to start sort of things on the weekend as a as a weekend you know like we all like to do stuff on the weekends. we all like to sort of go out and have fun on the weekend so we for the future we're aiming to sort of maybe open up for longer on the weekends and do fun things because it's when you when you when you're homeless you have to go to this appointment and that appointment and there's so much pressure you have to see this person and that person you have to bid for this flat and bid for that flat and then you have to go to the hospital and you have to do this and you have to do that and it's a constant go to the doctors do this, do that, do that and it's a constant pressure to keep appointments and if you don't keep your appointment you, you're either told you're not engaging so that's it you're on the streets and you can't do this and you can't it, it's very sort of that way so to sort of treat the person as a person who likes to do things and who is human at the end of the day and enjoys laughing and joking and listening to comedians and playing chess and playing drafts and reading books do you know what I mean I think for us if you if you treat someone like that then the self-respect might you know starts to come back and then they might be motivated to keep to this appointment and keep to that appointment which we can we can facilitate and we can walk them through and sort of stuff like that it's about it's about that really and not judging people and saying you know if if someone's got addictions that that you know that's how it how it is and we can we can help with that we can we can refer you to places and and sort of help you with that journey but there's no judgment
1: Thank you for sharing that. And I can imagine it's very difficult work that you're doing because you have to be almost individual in how you approach things, isn't it? Yeah. What that person (laughs) needs. So as I'm listening to you, I'm I'm learning a little bit about it and I can imagine how how hard it must be. How can interested people reach out to you and learn more? Uh, This is when you can talk about your website, maybe your social media. So... Yeah, we've got a website. We've got we're all over social
2: media, so all you've got to do is look for on um coffee for Craig. So it's coffee number four Craig. So we're coffee for Craig.co.uk.org.net. Um, Twitter, which is coffee for Craig. Facebook, Instagram, we've got a LinkedIn. Um, I, th- I think that's it. i I kind of only do Twitter and Facebook, Al. a a member of our team she does the other stuff i think we've even got a tiktok but uh, we need to we need to post more on tiktok (laughs) Um, we've got a youtube channel so we have done lots and lots of videos and stuff like that so if you actually want to see what we've done you can see us on youtube yeah just google us honestly and we've got um we've got a lot of fundraisers at the minute because um because we opened our building at the beginning of lockdown. um, We had to, we had, it was basically um, a fancy dress shop. So we had to refurbish it, but obviously we had lockdown, we had COVID and stuff like that. So we had to sort of make do and mend and do what we could to be able to open as soon as we possibly could. And um, we built a kitchen, but the kitchen we built was domestic kitchen. Now, we're we're on our I think we're on our sixth set of um ovens at the minute because they keep breaking down because the food that Stuart our chef is cooking is all homemade from scratch and we're cooking um on average probably six hundred meals probably more actually um a week and so we need we desperately need a domestic oven and a domestic kitchen to suit our needs better. Um, so, um, we've got an appeal out at the minute, save our kitchen, support our kitchen. So if you kind of look us up, you'll see how you can donate and we've got sort of fundraisers going on and stuff like that. So that would be, you know, something that we desperately need. And again, moving forward, Stuart is, um, He's doing a co- uh, lots and lots of sort of learning himself, and he's going to be able to teach people sort of basic cooking skills and ba- basic kitchen skills. So what we're hoping to do is, when people are on their road to recovery, is teach them basic sort of cooking skills, basic skills that they can hopefully go on and do an employment with, but also teach them budgeting, cooking, sort of stuff like that, so they can they can help themselves once they're in the flat, because a lot of people haven't got these skills or have forgotten these skills. Wow. So, you know, and hopefully as well, this will help us with our, with our aim to be self-sustainable so that we can keep going as long as we can and not rely wholly on donations which at the moment that's what we mostly do rely on donations from people and generosity from businesses and stuff we have we do have a small grant from the from the council but this just doesn't cover our costs in you know it's very costly especially opening seven days a week and providing meals for people can be quite difficult so yeah
1: sharing that Risha I guess this is an opportunity for you to share if there's anything else that you want to talk about that you haven't uh, flagged so far or I haven't asked you about Um, you've talked about fundraising for the kitchen and your plans Mm -hmm. there is there anything else about what's coming up or in in community can do for you (laughs) so obviously we're always
2: looking for donations if anyone wants to fundraise for us we'd be absolutely delighted especially if the weird wacky fundraisers we've got the manchester marathon i think coming up soon and half marathon and the 10ks so you know if you get in touch with us we'd be absolutely delighted to give you a fundraising pack and walk you through it and how you can sort of fundraise for us we've also um got a um so Spinning Fields Curry Club um, run by a gentleman called Charlie Wormsley is doing he has a monthly curry club and they're doing a fundraiser for us within the curry club. It's from the 29th of April. So if anyone would be interested in sort of finding out about that, if you could get in touch with us and we'll we'll share with you the details. We've got um actually Bez from the Happy Mondays and Dancing on Ice and Um, Big Brother fame and stuff like that, he'll be talking because Bez is actually our patron and a lady called Belody who's um, a comedian and master of ceremonies and stuff like that. She'll be doing the entertainment. We've got a fantastic raffle. So if anyone would be interested in coming to that and meeting lots of wonderful, interesting people, let us know. 29th of April from 12 till 4 so that should be a really, really good sort of afternoon and a bit of a laugh. <laughs> um, And just keep an eye on it and on, on all, our, all our social media and watch our website and see what else is coming up. I think next year will be very interesting because that'll be our 10-year anniversary. We've got lots and lots of interesting things in store for the ne- next year going forward. So please um, get in touch. And if you're interested in... In volunteering with us or have any questions or anything, just please message us on social media and um, through our website. You can find out how to contact us. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, get in touch.
1: Thank Say you. hello. <laughs> Thank you. So what advice would you have for people looking to start a similar movement in their own community?
2: Do you know what the biggest advice
1: that, that
2: that I would have is do your research, find out what's out there, speak and go to the, to the charities or to the movements or to the grassroots and find out exactly what is needed and then find the gaps. Because if you want to go out on your own, the best way to do it and the best way to help people is to find out where those gaps are and where you needed the most. So, For instance, within homelessness now, there are loads and loads of people who will help people who are street homeless. There's an abundance of food. There's an abundance of help for people who are on the streets. There is so much out there now, but there's no help for people who've just gone into the accommodation. And that is a very, very lonely, scary place, especially if you've been on the streets a long time or have been in hostels a long time. And people find it really, really hard to adjust to that so that's where the biggest biggest gap is and the where the people people need the most help so talk talk to whatever you're interested in if you're interested in helping animals if you're interested in helping homelessness if you're interested in food poverty if you're interested in mental health go out research find exactly what's out there and then talk talk to the people who the service is aimed at and talk to the services and the charities and, as well and find out where that gap is and where your help is needed or where your, where your niche is or where it is that you can execute the most support.
1: That's an amazing tip. And I really like that. Find the gaps. So talk to people and find the gaps. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, that, that's really good. Uh, so I'm going to now switch gears and ask you the signature questions, which I ask all my guests. So my first <laughs> is: uh, You said you moved from Cardiff to Manchester, so this will be interesting to see. Uh, what what do you love the most about Manchester?
2: Oh, do you know what? I love. I, I fell in love with Manchester when I went when I first came up here. So I came up to live in um, 1995. So I've been here a long time, and I just I think it's vibrant, it's interesting, the buildings are interesting, it's ever evolving. There's a lot of history and there's wonderful sort of countryside around Manchester and so many interesting places to visit and see. And obviously I love the people. I think, do you know what? When we first started Coffee for Craig, the man Manchester people are just so, so generous and honest and friendly. And I just, I don't know, I just love Manchester. It's just got a special vibe about it. And it's not so like you go, you go to London and it's really fast and really like fast paced whereas manchester's quite laid back but it's also really fast paced at the same time does that make
1: sense and i love it more and more i do because i'm brand yeah. new so it's always interesting to hear it from my guests and you know learn learn a bit about that and i think it's very interesting for listeners as well where's your favorite place in manchester oh gosh
2: <laughs> honestly that's such a hard question because i love manchester city center do you know what I mean I, I just I don't know I, I think I think he's got loads of nooks and crannies and sort of stuff like that and things to see and there's sort of layers and layers and layers and the more you kind of for me there's always something new to look at and new to discover and I don't I don't know whether I can pinpoint any one favourite place because I think as well, because Manchester is evolving so much all of the time, you kind of rediscover new places and old places that you've seen and sort of stuff like that. I do love the village though. I do love the, you know, the gay village. I love going, going there. I love the vibe there. I love it. I just, I've always, always enjoy going there. So.
1: Thanks for sharing that. What's the most important life lesson you have learned?
2: Don't judge people. I think, and and you don't know when you when you say things and when you do things, you don't know the ripple effect that'll have. And I think, I think doing coffee for Craig—that's the bit, one of the biggest things I've learned because, um, obviously we you know we're coming up to we've been going nearly nine years now in, in September. So sort of eight and a half years. And I think I've had people come to me who have said, Oh, I remember you when you first started, I saw, I saw your Facebook post, it got shared, or you came, cause go to schools and we do talks and we sort of do a lot of stuff. And they'll say, Oh, you came to my school five years ago and I want to help you now and I'm doing this. So Wherever your walk in life is and whatever you're doing, you don't know the effect that you're having on people and what will come back to you in five years' time, in six years' time. And you don't know the ripple effect that that's had on people. So I think just be mindful that you're always influencing people in some way. So always try to make that influence positive and a good encounter.
1: That's a really great reflection point actually more than just a life tip because you know like you said you don't know what those ripple effects are and therefore try and send only good good things out into the world yeah yeah exactly if someone wrote a book on your life what would they title it (laughs) Uh,
2: the ponderings of a dyslexic and adhd brain
1: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) That is really, really interesting. Okay. Risha, thank you for talking to me and my listeners. Thank you all for listening from so many countries around the globe. I'm so glad to know you're finding some inspiration from the amazing Mancunian guests who feature here. I hope you enjoy the eighth episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast season two. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode please do consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. I would also be grateful if you could share this podcast with a friend or a family member. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Risha. It's been really wonderful and thank you for educating all of us on so many uh, so many aspects of homelessness that at least from, was completely new to me.
2: Oh, thank you so much for listening and thank you for listening to my ramblings. <laughs>
1: They were great. I don't think they were ramblings, not in my book at least. I'm sure (laughs) listeners will enjoy this.